In 2021, a majority of voters in New York shot down a change to the state constitution that would have essentially allowed New Yorkers to vote by mail without presenting a rationale for why they couldn't make it to the polls in person. Nearly two years later, and Democrats in the state legislature have advanced a measure that could dramatically expand the use of mail voting if approved by Governor Hochul. For more on this creative solution to the limitations posed by the state constitution, we're joined by Jarrett Berg, an election lawyer and co-founder of the nonprofit Vote Early New York, which looks to make it easier to cast a ballot in the Empire State. Welcome back to the show, Jarrett. Good to be with you. Our pleasure. So before we try to get to the legislation approved by state lawmakers and pending the governor's signature, I think we need to explain the tightrope that they're trying to address regarding voting by mail in New York. So can you explain what the state constitution says about absentee voting and when it can be currently used? Currently, New York law limits the ability to vote by mail, this is by statute, uh, to certain voters. And generally, that's been understood to mean those who are physically absent on election day and those who are unable to appear personally at the polls because of illness or disability or because they're in jail but haven't lost their right to vote. And in June, state lawmakers, basically along partisan lines, approved the New York Early Mail Voter Act. What would this do to our voting system in New York? So this law has been passed through both houses. It hasn't been signed by the governor yet, um, and it is likely to be litigated. Um, But uh, were this to enter into a force uh, for 2024, it would allow any eligible voter to request an early vote by mail ballot to be mailed to them or picked up in person so that they can vote remotely. Now, you use the expression early mail, and that's what's in the the language here in the title, Early Mail Voter Act. Why is there a distinction between, say, voting via mail for the general election date and voting via mail if you're casting a vote early? The question of what to call this thing and sort of the nomenclature is sort of a a detail. And there's there's an open question of whether that detail has legal significance, but This system is being stood up and finds its authority in a different section of law than the traditional absentee voting basis. So I think that's why the nomenclature uh, is different. Well, when you think about this type of expansion, essentially allowing New Yorkers to vote via mail without the litany of excuses that they traditionally would need to seize upon, why is this important to do from your perspective if it is important to do? So for me, the starting point uh, and the reason I do this work uh, is that voting is a fundamental right that's enshrined by our state constitution and voter access is under attack, not just around the country, but in New York as well. As a policy matter, rights are only as real as opportunities that we have to exercise them. I'm fond of keeping that in mind when we look at what the law should be. We know that convenient and flexible voting options like mail balloting, they don't just protect rights for busy New Yorkers, but they actually make our democracy more resilient, given what we all lived through over the past several years, the disruption that a pandemic or another sort of disruption could have. I think we've sort of all experienced that. But uh, millions of New Yorkers successfully used mail ballots between 2020 and 2022 for the presidential and all these other elections during the pandemic. Uh, And in that sense, this isn't new. Not only is mail voting popular with voters, it's safe and secure. And the other states that are out there, uh, some 35 states uh, don't have the sort of restrictions we have 
or mail everybody a ballot as uh, an equal or primary method of voting. Uh, they've seen their voter participation increase, especially in harder to reach populations, not just traditionally marginalized communities, but rural communities, which can be marginalized just by virtue of not having uh, as good of, of access. Um, so that's always the starting point. And I think uh, as a policy matter, that case is um, has been made. I think we've experienced that over the past few years. So you feel like the expansion of early voting isn't going far enough in terms of creating opportunities for New Yorkers to exercise their franchise? I think the opportunity to vote in person during a reasonable election period makes a lot of sense, particularly for a very populous state or a place like New York that has incredibly populous uh, metro areas. Uh, that's a better way to protect people's fundamental rights than mandating that millions of people take concerted action on a single day. And we made that case for for decades, uh, and it was finally enacted in 2019. Um, but voting by mail is used in lots and lots of states. It allows people more time to read the questions. It allows uh, akin to sort of a take-home test. It allows you to do research, maybe on the different candidates, uh, things like ranked choice voting. Uh, give voters more power, but it also gives people the opportunity to learn about who their second and third choice might be. We also have issues with font size, people with disabilities, uh, people without disabilities who might be frail and prefer to avoid crowds uh, or are not so able to stand in lines. And of course, the one-on-one uh, -on -one engagements with those sort of voters for poll workers can be incredibly labor intensive. So by giving folks the option who are most interested in avoiding crowds and not going to the public places we have as poll sites, by giving those folks the option to vote by a mail ballot, uh, it increases their access, it increases flexibility, it better protects their rights. And again, the resiliency is something that I speak about a lot, but really doesn't get discussed. The idea that a single point or a single disruption would not uh, have a dramatic manipulative effect on the outcome of an election I view as a positive from a resiliency standpoint. If you had to defend this law before the state court of appeals, what's the argument you would make in terms of defending its constitutionality? It's a great question. It's not exactly the posture. And as a legal matter, that's uh, what makes this um, uh, sort of a jump ball. Uh, but a persuasive case can be made that the new law is constitutional uh, because um, the Court of Appeals has said the power of the legislature to prescribe the method of voting, uh, conducting elections is plenary. Uh, they have they have very broad, powerful authority subject only to the express or implied limitation in the state constitution or federal law. Uh, and so we have a history. There's a presumption, a very strong presumption that the lawmakers are passing laws that are constitutional that they have made inquiry and 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 took note of what's going on in society around the state in recent years or historically uh, and the desirability of a given piece of legislation. So I, I start there because that's actually the framework uh, that a challenger uh, to rebut those strong presumptions, right? The court isn't uh, substituting, it's not supposed to, its own opinion of a value judgment of what's good for society for that of the legislature. It's actually an incredibly heavy burden. Uh, and this is something I think the public and actually many lawyers, unless they look closely at this sort of question, might not fully appreciate. To rebut those presumptions, the challenger 
um, in this case, likely to be John Champoli and the Republicans. Uh, the challenger of a statute, uh, they have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the statute is in conflict with the Constitution. Um, and and this is this is literally how the Court of Appeals uh, has prescribed the the narrow uh, the the scope of review. The conflict can only be found uh, after every reasonable way to reconcile the new statute with the Constitution has been tried, and it's just impossible uh, to reconcile. And so, unlike interpreting the federal Constitution, uh, which enumerates and limits the power of the federal government and then gives all other power to the state. There's actually a very long history of understanding state legislatures as having some sort of power akin to sovereignty, uh, subject only to the limits of the state constitution or federal law. So any litigant who's going to challenge this, um, and there will be a challenge, it was promised on the assembly floor, uh, and we would all expect that uh, given, given the history um, and the contentious uh, nature of the, the, the issue and the vote that was taken, they have to identify a direct conflict with the New York Constitution. Quite simply, the New York State Constitution does not have any statement that prohibits mail-in voting. It also doesn't have a statement that specifically requires that all voting must occur in person. So the best that can be found would be an implication that is unwritten, but so strong that it were to rebut and overcome that sovereignty. And there's a section of our constitution, it's article two, section seven. It's one that I expect a whole bunch of lawyers to be dusting off and reading up about if they're uh, seriously interested in following what's going to take place in the next few months. Uh, but article two, section seven of our state constitution provides that voting may be by ballot or such other method as the legislature may prescribe. And as long as secrecy is maintained, uh, that's the only restriction on their power. Well, finally, assuming this legislation is signed into law, do you think the state constitution should be amended as it pertains to absentee voting and creating a system of no-fault mail-in voting more broadly? Or do you think this legislation, if it is to become law, will satisfy the urge of some to vote by mail? So I suspect that uh, this is uh, – it's – the sort of thing where by statute, the legislature is always making changes. Uh, there's always iterations and optimization that happens when new legislation is enacted. We've seen changes to the early voting program since 2019, uh, responsive to small issues that some of us never even thought about, other issues that uh, was sort of a wait and see approach about the hours and the demand. Uh, so the legislature is always optimizing. I guess... Uh, there's, there's a need for an absentee system wholly apart from this system because those who are permanently ill or disabled will still need a way to request uh, their ballots uh, to be on the permanent absentee list. This legislation, uh, that's not a feature of the current law. If it is signed into law, uh, a voter who prefers to vote by mail, um, they can request uh, that they have ballots mailed to them for that calendar year's worth of elections. Uh, so there are... Uh, circumstances where an absentee system is still useful. Um, but there's this question about that that we saw in other states, Massachusetts uh, and Pennsylvania and Delaware, are the three states that have recently answered this question. Uh, and they have very similar provisions to New York law. 
the first two of those states found that no constitutional amendment was necessary in order to stand up uh, a universal vote by mail system. Um, but uh, I think this might turn on, on the question of whether uh, the absentee provisions represent a ceiling or a floor for what the legislature can do. Uh, and to just to quickly summarize what that means, either the, the section of the Constitution that has absentee voting is listing a bunch of categories of, of folks, of voters, for whom the legislature can create an absentee system, but it doesn't say that those are the only people. Or it's a ceiling. Uh, and I suspect the challengers will argue, no, by listing those groups, those are the only folks uh, that the Constitution intended lawmakers to permit such a system for. But those arguments were not uh, persuasive in Massachusetts and Pennsylvania. Uh, and it remains to be seen what happens in New York. Well, we've been speaking with Jarrett Berg. He's an election lawyer and co-founder of Vote Early New York. Jarrett, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Pleasure to be with you. Thanks. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. Press Room is provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. UnionStrongNY.com for more information.